You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome, everyone, to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove, and with me is the super producer, Jason. Greetings, everybody. And, um, you know, everybody tuning in this episode, this is our second attempt at this episode tonight because, (laughs) and uh, we'll get into it a little bit later, but uh, our guest, uh, in the middle of telling some, uh, some pretty cool ghost stories, we got cut off seven times. There was definitely some gremlins in the works. (laughs) Seven times. So we're hoping that this time um, we can we can go through uninterrupted. Maybe we made the right uh, appeasal to the uh, spirits at hand. I don't know. Yeah, where's Uh, where's the sage at? We might want to sprinkle some sage around. (laughs) Wave the sage bush. Uh, So, but before we before we introduce our guest, you know. we just want to thank all of our uh, all of our listeners out there. We've been getting a lot of new subscribers, a lot of new uh, YouTube uh, members. I mean, it's crazy how many people are sharing stuff. How how big the platforms are growing for us. We love all the interaction from the fans. So please, if you you know wherever you're listening to us, you know whatever platform, subscribe to it. Uh, tell your friends. Um, become a member, you know, whatever it takes. We appreciate it. And if you want to get a hold of us and tell us your story, 
Um, go to the from the shadows podcast.com website, uh, find us, find the info link or the contact link, send us your story. I get those all, all the time. You know, we've get a lot of, a lot of, uh, some of our last few guests have got a hold of me through that and told us stories that we decided to have them on. Um, as a matter of fact, our guest tonight got a hold of me on Instagram. So you can get a hold of us on the From the Shadows podcast Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at Shane Grove Author. Send me, send us messages, or go to our Facebook uh, discussion group after the Shadows. That's a great place to to get a hold of us, and you know, leave a comment or get a hold of some of the messengers. So, um, so yeah, so so our guest tonight, um, man, I hope we can get through this again because um, now I got his name right the first time, Jason. See, mm-hmm. see what's happening. The yeah. ghost, the ghost has made put me on the spot again to get this right. So, so uh, our guest, and it's our first Emmy-nominated guest. Absolutely. I mean, I, can't, I mean, I hope someday that you know you can say that about me, Jason. I will make sure I do Emmy that. now. Earn Emmy the nominated. Emmy, and then I'll do Emmy it. nominated. <laughs> so uh, our, our Emmy nominated guest, he's also been on the Best of Bobby Flay and Guy's Grocery Games, Executive Chef from New Haven, Connecticut, Mark Vaquito. Yeah. Welcome, Mark. Good, welcome, Mark. Hey, <laughs> welcome. Yeah, welcome back for the eighth time. Yep. <laughs> oh. This so, is crazy. So, yeah, Mark, I don't think every I don't think people could understand like in the middle of like the stories that you are going to try to tell again. Yeah. I mean, boom gets cut off. Boom gets cut off. Boom. Get, it yeah. was crazy. It was and crazy. I'm standing right near right near my router. So, it's yeah. like not <laughs> you know. And he had four heck? bars on his phone. Oh. And I paid the phone bill. Yeah, and you paid the phone bill. <laughs> All right. Well, 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 Mark. Let Let's start this all over, and let's see. If, sure. Let's see if whatever ghost has had their fun and has moved on and start messing with somebody else. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I so, hope so. I hope so. Wow. So, 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 tell our guests a little bit about yourself, and you know, like I said, like I said before. You know, you're on here not because you're hanging out with with Guy Fieri or Bobby Flay. So, you know, t- 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 <laughs> well, one of them. The taller one, the taller, chubbier one. <laughs> okay, okay, all right, all right. With the spike there. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you saying the other one is maybe the cause for the disturbances before? Uh, I don't know. Maybe one of his buddies, you know, because when <laughs> when we filmed when we filmed together, he had had a stand on a box next to me, um, so he could be taller than me. Oh, oh man! <laughs> man. Okay. Oh, man. Well, that's the end of the episode, folks, because I yeah, don't want to. <laughs> Gave away oh. his trade secrets. No more appearances on the Food Network, I guess. <laughs> God, that's okay. Uh, I hear Robert De Niro does that too. So. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got a story about him too, but it'll, that doesn't tie into it. So. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's get to the ghost stories. Uh, all right. All right. Well, go, Mark. Tell tell us. You know, t- tell everybody why why we're having you on here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So 
Well, um, like, like you said, I'm an executive chef. Uh, I've been doing this for 40 years. I'm classically French trained. Um, and you know what? I, I, I really have never really listened to podcasts. I was on many, many podcasts from, you know, for a bunch of reasons, but it was all chef related and restaurant related. This is the first time I'm on a show like yours, which really intrigues the hell out of me. I came across you guys maybe about three weeks ago mm-hmm. and one episode, I listened to one episode and you guys had me hooked and I, you know, I drive an hour to work and an hour back home. So I literally have been listening to your show every day for two hours <laughs> going back oh, to work. Listen, do not send us the therapy. Don't send us the therapy bill. I'm just telling you. Therapy? <laughs> no. <laughs> so anyhow, um, yeah, so I, I've been, you know, I've, I've been a chef all my life. It's what I do. Um, but, uh, the paranormal and the supernatural and, and, and UFOs and stuff, that's been something that I've done on by myself all my life. You, you know, even when I was a kid, I would literally, um, uh, by the, the, the midnight sun or whatever it was, or the, or the sun newspaper or the inquirer, cause they had a story about ghosts or UFOs or Bigfoot or something on there. The so, weekly world, so, the weekly world news. Don't forget oh, the weekly world. boy. Bat Boy. Remember Bat Boy? Oh, yes. How could you forget <laughs> Bat Boy? <laughs> I love Bat Boy. Anyhow, so um, growing up, well, I, was, I was a little kid, um, probably around three years old. We uh, lived in a house where uh, my father was born uh, in this house. So um, he inherited the house when everybody else moved out. Um, and I vividly remember I was, being, I was three years old. and my dad worked second shift. So I was always with my mom and my grandma. Um, and my grandmother always used to tell me that she was, well, she was from Poland and, um, they considered her more of a, a witch because she could read cards and she could tell fortunes and she could read your dreams. All right. And she was very accurate at it. And she was really, Oh no. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, All right. So dude, so dude, it wasn't the Skype. No, it wasn't the Skype. Something does not want. Oh my goodness. I don't know what to say. Oh man. I wouldn't even look at it at the time it went off either. I'm just going to say it like just, 8, it just 15. It, it just did, oh, man. Oh man. All right, let's try to get him back. This is this is nuts. <laughs> This is truly nuts. I've never experienced anything like this before. Wow. All right, we're going to try to bring him back. Let's see here. Okay. Okay, okay. It's, it's, it's calling him. Okay. It, it's calling him. Let's see if we get him, let's get him in. Wow. Okay, he's back. Okay, good. I can't wow. believe this. Wow. This is, this is crazy. Okay, so, uh, you're, so, your grandma, so your grandma's a witch. Well, that, that's what they called her, um, you know, because she did all that, uh, the, the fortune telling stuff. And she always told me when I was a kid that I had it. And, and the, you know, I had the thing where I can see ghosts and, and I can communicate with them. But I, you know, I kind of kind of brush that stuff off. Um, but anyhow, like I said, I was three years old and uh, I'd come home with my mom at night and we'd walk into the kitchen 
and there would always be a man, I would see the man, sitting in a corner <clears throat> on a chair, and he would just sit there and smile at me and nod his head and, and you know, big smile on his face, big handlebar mustache. And um, I'd always say to my mom, oh, look, there's the man, there's the man. And my mom's like, what man? I said, there's a man over there. And she's like, no, there's no one there. And I saw him, but she just couldn't, you know, she couldn't see him. And, um, you know, when she was doing like doing. Oh, my God, he's go off. Oh, shoot. Oh, so 10, 17. Boy, I'm about to flip my page over. <laughs> 10, 17 went out, I think. Oh, this is, this is really, this is really maddening. Oh, man. All right. Uh, I'm going to try to get him back here. Okay, it says it's calling him. All right. So, obviously, someone doesn't want to talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is unbelievable. This yeah. is unbelievable. This is, this is, this is absolutely crazy. This is the first. Uh, I've, never had, I've never had this happen before. Okay, so let's get back to the story. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'd, I'd be uh, Saturday Saturday mornings, I remember sitting in the living room <clears throat> on the floor in front of the TV, and I always watch Rin Tin Tin, and yes, I am dating myself right there. Um, a lot of people now don't even know who Rin Tin Tin is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, I, uh, I, my mom would give me a glass of milk and graham crackers, <clears throat> and I'd sit there and I'd eat my graham crackers and, and, and drink my milk, and the man would be sitting in the living room in a chair by the sofa. And I'd always offer him some and uh, he'd smile at me and say, no, 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 you eat it. That's for you. You eat it. And, you know, it was just like, and I, my mom would come in and go, who are you talking to? And I'm like, the man, I'm talking to the man over here. And she's like, there's no one there. There's nobody here. It's just me and you. And I said, but. Unbelievable. He's yeah, got, it he's just, got... yeah. It says it just left call left. Oh man. Well, it's gonna be a while to get this one out. This is gonna be a heck of a thing here. All right, it's it's trying to it's trying to dial him, trying to reconnect with him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um. So anyhow, uh, my dad came home, and um, she, you know, my mother told him what what I was saying and what I was, you know what I was doing. And he went into the bedroom and he came back out with a picture of his father. Now he, his, my grandfather died when my dad was 12. So I never knew him. Um, and my dad showed me this picture and she he says, do you know who this is? And I said, yeah, well, that's the man that sits in the living room and talks to me and sits there while I'm watching TV. He's still on there. Oh, he now just, he left, it now just he's gone. Off. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. Did, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we gotta keep try going. to get him back. Yeah. Okay. You know what? We might not be able to edit this out. We're just gonna have to let we're gonna let people just uh see the see what's been going on here. This is weird. I don't know. All right, it's trying to call him. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, join. All right. All right. Wow. wow. <laughs> absolutely insane. I could hear my wife in the other room talking on the phone, and her phone isn't doing this, just mine. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one trying to talk about the spiritual stuff. That's why. Yeah, I don't get it. I am pissing someone off big time right now. I, yes. and I don't even know who. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyhow, that happened. And we, you know, uh, eventually my dad bought a, a, a house that was uh, in Meriden, Connecticut. And we moved over to there and I was probably four years old. And nothing really happened over there. Um, you know, nothing to speak about until I got married. And um, I got married and. We moved into an apartment in Meriden also. It was, a, it was an older house built in the 1800s, 1850s probably. And um, beautiful woodwork and, you know, old Victorian-style home. And we lived on the second floor. So it was an apartment. And um, my son, uh, his room, we had two kids at the time. And uh, my son was probably three or four years old. And he had his own bedroom. My daughter had her own bedroom. And we had, you know, obviously our bedroom. And in our bedroom, we had these giant sliding pocket doors that went into the walls, and it would open up into the living room. So I can see everything that's going on in the house from my bed. And, you know, it was probably around 10 o'clock at night, and we had those plastic, um, those plastic runners you had back in the, back in the 80s to keep the, keep the carpet clean from mm-hmm. the front door to, you know, wherever, the kitchen, the couch, whatever. Yeah, the yeah, ones with the, the ones with the giant spikes that you yes. yeah with the spikes. So when it flipped over and you stepped on it, it hurt like hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that was pre Lego. That was pre Lego. <laughs> <laughs> and it hurt just the so, same. As oh Lego. hell yeah! Yep, that's true. It did hurt so, just the same. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Those damn things. <laughs> and so anyhow. We're laying in bed. It's probably, I think it was a Sunday night. And um, I heard footsteps on the plastic, you know, because you could hear someone walk across those mats. Mm-hmm. And they were little footsteps. And, you know, my wife says to me, oh, he's, he's got to go to the bathroom. And, you know, you better get up and turn a light on because he can't reach the light. And he's going to just go anywhere he wants. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I turn over in bed and I look towards the kitchen. And there's a little person, you know, little kid, little person. And he's standing in the, the doorway, not facing me, his back is towards me. And he's got one hand on one door side of the door jam, the other hand on the other. And he like leans into the kitchen and then pulls back out and starts rocking back and forth with his arms, you know, clutching the, the, the sides of the door. And I'm like, what the hell is he doing? That's kind of weird. And then he runs into the bathroom. So my wife's like, come on, get up, get up, get up, get out of bed, go turn the damn light on. All right. So I get out of bed. I go into the kitchen. I go over to the bathroom. And there's nobody there. No little kid, no nothing. And there was no possible way that my son could have moved from the back. After he went into the kitchen, there was no way back to his room. So... I'm like, what the heck? I go over to his bedroom and I open his door and he's sound asleep. Sound asleep. And I, I go, my wife's like, well, did you do it? And I'm like, no, he's, he, that wasn't him. <laughs> and she's like, what? And I'm like, that was not him. It was, I mean, at that said, mo- it was at that moment where I would have 
been the one peeing all over everything. But oh, that's just yeah. me. But that's I, just I, I got goosebumps right now because I vividly <laughs> remember that. Oh, so, my gosh. So things would happen in that, started happening in that house. And, 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 you know, we'd hear someone come up the stairs and come to the door and stop. And there'd be no knock. So I'd look out the little peephole and there'd be nobody there. Um, we, oh, one Saturday morning, uh, it was probably around six o'clock in the morning and we were in bed, obviously. And it sounded like everything from the cabinet, like every glass and dish that was inside the cabinet fell into the sink and, and just shattered. I mean, we both jumped out of bed like, Oh my God. We thought it was the kids, you know, like climbing on the counters or something like that. And I run into the kitchen and there's nothing there. There's nothing broken, nothing moved. And it was like, what the heck is going on here? So things like that were happening over and over again. And um, one night uh, I saw this uh, uh, advertisement in in the paper that Ed and Lorraine Warren, the two ghost hunters, were going to have a seminar down at the Holiday Inn. And, you know, I was like, said to my wife, hey, we should go check that out. She's like, yeah, 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 let's, let's go. So um, we went and we went to the seminar and she goes, hey, maybe we should tell them about what's going on at the house. And I said, mm, it's a good idea. Um, so we watched the seminar. It was great. And at the end, uh, Lorraine Warren was uh, autographing some books and there was a crowd of people around her. And uh, she stopped. She stopped in the middle of an autograph and she just looked up at me. And she finished signing that book and she said to everybody, excuse me, I have to talk to him. And she made a beeline, eye contact, <laughs> perfect, right <laughs> to me. And she <laughs> said, what can I help you with? And I'm like, oh. Wow. So, yeah, this is, this is, yeah. And, and I, so I said, well, I don't know. I'm having the, I, I saw this little kid in my house, an apparition, blah, blah, blah. And she said, okay, well, this is what you do. So she said, just get some holy water and, and, you know, put it on the house and that should do it. Oh, okay. Thank you so much, Lorraine. By the way, it was a great, you know, seminar. I really enjoyed it. And we went on our way. So a couple nights later, well, we did the holy water thing because, you know, we were Catholic and, uh, you know, we had holy water everywhere. My, you know, my mother was Polish. My father was Italian. So I'm stupid and proud of it. Um, <laughs> anyhow, we, we, does this explain why the, does this explain why the phone isn't working? Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> so, so a couple days after we do that, Again, it's probably about one o'clock in the morning and my son starts screaming. I mean, top of his lungs, all hell breaking loose. He's screaming. We both go running to the room. He's sitting there in the center of his bed and there was like blood all over him. His bureau was knocked over. His TV was across the room. It was stuff thrown everywhere. Okay. We, my wife grabbed him, cleaned him up. The blood wasn't from him. It, it, he wasn't bleeding. All right. We had smudges on the wall. Uh, like I said, the bureau, there was no way the kid wasn't climbing the bureau. He knocked the TV over. The bureau was on its side. I couldn't have done that. 
All right. So we're like really freaked out. Now we're starting to research this house. We find out um, that prior to us, there were two other families that lived here in that house. Um, and they were, they both had girls that that was their bedroom. Well, the first girl was about eight or nine years old and was raped in that room. The second girl, the second fit, yeah, the second family that lived there, the little girl was thrown out of her bed, broke her arm, dislocated her collarbone. The people moved because of this stuff. Now, we didn't know about it. We had no idea. And now my son's in this room. So the call goes out to Ed and Lorraine Warren again. Um, They came out and they did a... If you want to call it an exorcism, I don't know. If you want to call it that, that's fine. They did. They did their thing, and it it literally it it seemed to work. But it was time for us to move. Um, So we moved, and uh, I got a job at the casino here at Mohegan Sun. This is years later. Nothing happened in between then, and uh, I moved closer to the casino. So we um, we we moved into uh, a town called Griswold, Connecticut bought this house. It was on sale and it was really cheap. And we couldn't figure out why we got this house so cheap. It was huge. It had a nice piece of land. Um, but we weren't going to question it. We bought the house and we moved in and we had a neighbor across the street and she worked for electric boat. Uh, so she painted, she painted submarines. That's what, that was her job. Electric boat is, uh, the Naval shipyard here in Groton, Connecticut. Um, and she would come over when we had picnics and stuff like that. And she'd say, you bought Michael's house. You bought Michael's house. Michael was such a good kid. Michael was great. Michael cut my lawn. Was his last name, was his last name Myers? No, close. Okay. 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 Close. Wait, wait. So this went on for two years and I listened to this crazy lady. I thought that the paint fumes got to her, you know? And mm-hmm. she kept telling me, you bought Michael's house. Michael was such a good boy. Michael did this for me. Michael did that. Michael went to the store. Michael cut my grass. And so one day we had a big picnic out there and she came over and she sat down and she was talking with us. And then she started with the Michael thing. And I said, listen, you know, who the hell is this archangel Michael that I bought this house from? Right. And she says, Oh, she says, Michael Ross, the serial killer. And I'm like, what? Michael Ross killed 17 17 or 22 women and buried them all within a mile of the house. Uh, This was back in the early 80s. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. So okay. when we when, yeah when we were looking at the house we you know we're looking at this before we bought it and I went into the basement in the basement now I thought it was kind of weird and then I thought about it and I said well it's kind of cool because I can put the there was a cell in the basement with a with a door like an old jail cell with a one of those jail doors on it in Oof. the basement 
And I'm saying to myself, oh, we could put our Christmas stuff there and the kids won't watch it. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of cool. <laughs> right? Oh, this is no lie, man. This is no lie. <laughs> um, it and, didn't even dawn. It didn't even dawn. No, because no one told me. Yeah. I didn't know whose house it was. And our cabinet doors would open all the time. Um, I, the, the basement door coming up into the into the house on the back of the door, it, the base on the basement side, the, there were like huge scratches in the door, huge scratches. And when that lady was over here before she told me whose house it was, I said to her, "Hey, did Michael? You know, did Michael have a dog?" And she's like, "No, Michael. Michael didn't like dogs, and he hated cats." And I'm like, oh, well, like my, my basement door is like literally scratched up like a dog was trying to get out. So, I mean, you could, you know, did he, did he take the girls down there? Did they try to escape? I don't know. I, I don't know. But the door was like torn up. So she had told me that he didn't like dogs and he hated cats. Well, we had a cat, and the cat had kittens, and they were probably around four or five weeks old, so they were, like, running around the house. They were little guys, and every day, we'd find one dead somewhere in the house. Um, we found one drowned in a bucket outside in the patio, and we, the cats were in the house. So there was no way they got outside. So systematically, all seven kittens that we had were killed. By who? We don't know. All right. Um, it was, it, yeah, right. Wow. So when she told me, yeah, and then she tells, now my the house, my backyard, it went about maybe about 20 yards, and it had a, a two-foot stone wall. And on the other side of that stone wall was a Catholic school and a playground for all these little kids. Now, this guy had access to kids. Because the the ball, you know, they play ball outside in in the parking lot or whatever, and the and their balls, you know, volleyball or whatever, would come into my yard all the time, and I just toss it over to the kids, you know, when they were on reset. So I'm thinking about like, wow, you know, this guy had access to a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff, and you know, a lot of people. And and one night, we, me and my wife weren't home, and my youngest daughter was home alone. She was probably 16 at the time, and she called us frantic, freaking out. And she's like, dad, there's someone in the house. There's someone in the house. There's someone in the house. And I'm like, did you lock the door? She goes, I came home. I I said, was the door locked when you got home? She goes, yes, I used the key. I came in. And she goes, he's standing in your bedroom and I can see him peeking through the door. And I'm like, where are you? And she's like, I'm in the kitchen. I said, get out of the house, get out of the house right now. She did. She got out of the house. We called 911. They went there. It was nobody in there, but she saw this person looking at her through, like the door was cracked a little bit and she could see him in the bedroom looking back at her. Um, and then when she found out that it was Michael Ross's house, she's like, oh, great. You were trying to kill me. I'm like, yeah, right. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, now did, that, now, now, did that stuff happen? Like, were you living there after he was, like, executed? Or yes, was he? Yes. yes. Okay. Actually, I knew a guy. I knew a guy that, well, he wasn't a savory person, but he was an acquaintance. Um, I, I 
you know, saw him a few times and I knew who he was. And he uh, came to me and I, we were talking one day cause his brother lived across the street and he says to me, uh, you know, you got Michael's house. I said, yeah. He goes, I was in jail when he was executed. And I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah. He says, I got caught up with some dumb stuff and I, I ended up in, in jail and I was with, he says, I was not in his cell block, but I was there when they executed him and I had to eat his last meal because that's, I guess what, the thing when um, you have a last meal, every prisoner eats the same meal. Mm. Um, oh. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Chicken a la king. I just read it, it was like chicken a la yeah. king or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh hey, did you see the picture of him? Creepy, oh, yeah. Man. I saw the, yeah, I saw the picture <laughs> of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. now so, did you, anyhow, did, was, just, was your daughter able, like, did she, like, she moved. See the, she moved in. When we, she moved in with my older daughter. She was like, "I'm, I'm out, I'm out." But I mean, would, did did she see enough of the figure that she could that she could tell yeah. that maybe if it was him or not? Yes, she said. She said he. She described him as looking like Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, okay. Right, so look then at that, that picture. Look at that picture. Bingo. That's what I would say. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, now let yeah. me ask you something. Now you had the ability then when you were a kid to see and talk to ghosts. Did your kids yeah. then get that ability to a degree? Um, I think my oldest daughter, uh, has it. Um, my son till this day will not talk about what happened that night in his room till this day. He's 34 years old. Also, he won't even talk about the night that you found the blood? No. No, we'll not talk about it. We'll not talk about it. We'll not. It's just, I'll I'll ask him and he'll look at me and go, no. Okay. Um, Yeah. So, you know, yay. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's that's super unfortunate that you, you know what I'm saying? Your experience is great. You got to talk to your grandpa, you know? Yeah. And their experiences have been terrible. Yours was not. Theirs yes. was theirs was not. It was not at all. So, put the house on the market, and you know, no one disclosed this to to us that the house was belonged to him. Um, <laughs> so when we put it on the market, I said, "Listen, I got to tell people that you know this is this is whose house they're buying, and uh, it's sold in two weeks." Like what? <laughs> because there's people out there that that yeah. would make yeah. their day. Yeah. There's there's collectors yeah. out there that would pay for a place like that. Absolutely, absolutely crazy. We got out of there, and uh, we had moved. And um, now, you know, back when I was in Meriden, I was at um, a restaurant, uh, working in a restaurant, uh, kind of like a biker bar. Yeah, well, it was a biker bar. Uh, the guy that owned it, he he looked just like the Undertaker from WWF. Mm-hmm. Looked just like him. The guy was like six foot four, long hair and the scruffy beard, and his name was Terry. And uh, he was friends with my wife for years. Like they kind of grew up together, I guess. And so he's like, "Hey, uh, you know," he went to her and he says, "Hey, your husband's a chef. I could really use him in my restaurant in the bar." So you know what? It was you know. It was, it was spare, you know, it was part-time job at night. I, I was working my regular job. It was extra cash, you know? So I said, yeah, I'll take the job. What the hell? So I'm working in, in, in this bar. And it was called the Hanover House. And um, I'm in the kitchen slamming food out the usual stuff. Now, behind me uh, in the kitchen, in the back of the kitchen, was a hallway. It was probably about eight feet long, 
and it, it, it ran parallel with the wall in the kitchen. So you'd walk into a doorway and take a left and go about eight feet. And it was an office at the end of that corridor, which I was told, don't go in. All right. There was no door on it. There was no door on the office, but everyone, even Terry, he told me, he's like, yeah, did you go in that office? I'm like, no. He goes, yeah, don't, don't, don't spend too much time there. I'm like, oh, I don't go back there. It's kind of creepy. And he's like, yeah. He says, yeah, don't, don't spend too much time there. So I'm in the kitchen cooking one night and I hear, hey, Mark. I'm like, what? Did I? I said, oh, it must be someone in the bar. So I opened up the, the, the swinging door and I looked out into the restaurant bar area and I'm like, is someone calling me? And they're like, no. Okay. So I go back to cooking and again, hey, Mark. And it's coming from that black hallway. Oh, man. Clear as day. <laughs> Clear as day. Now, I'm like, what the heck? So I look down the hallway. There's nothing there. Right? And I go back to cooking. And again, Mark. Mark. Hey, Mark. Freaked me out. I, I, I was like, yeah, hey, I got to go. So I went out into the bar. And I'm like, listen, Terry, just, I, I can't, I can't work in there. And he's like, what's the matter? Have like, you got a radio or something that we could put back there? So he, yeah, he grabbed the boom box he had. And he gave it to me and I, I turned the radio up. I, I was working literally with the radio blasting. So I didn't have to hear this because it scared the hell out of me. Right. And you know, that happened a couple more times and it was like, you know, I, I'm done. I can't, I, I can't believe you didn't go back and look. No. After what he's been through. Oh man. I don't think so. Yeah. Hey, Mark, uh, yeah. it's yeah. Michael. Yeah. Ross. yeah. Oh no. Hey. Oh my God. <laughs> really crazy oh, stuff. So uh, yeah. So then is it then I, um, when we, we moved, I, there was a restaurant in New London. I got a call one day and this guy says to me, Hey, uh, I'm opening a restaurant in New London and I need a, I need a chef. And I'm like, ah, I got a job. And he's like, ah, let's talk. So whatever. I go down to the place and this restaurant was absolutely gorgeous. It was, um, it had three dining rooms and the bar was like 30 feet long. And so the wood was ornate, so ornate, just really, really cool. And, um, I said to him, I says, <clears throat> so, you know, what kind of restaurant is this going to be? He says, German. He says, German. And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, well, I never cooked professionally, you know, you know, um, you know, German cuisine. And he goes, well, you're Polish. You can do it, can't you? I'm like, well, yeah. I said, my grandmother's <laughs> recipe. Yeah, no problem. So I came up with a menu for him. Everything was you know, kind of cool. And now the kitchen ran the width of the building in the back. So I can go out one side of the kitchen and be in the bar area and walk through two dining rooms and be back in the other side of my kitchen. So it was like a big circle. So, you know, the, the building was old, very old. And the, the third dining room was really creepy. Um, it was, it looked like we were in a German castle. Right? We had a, we had a suit of armor there, just, just full size suit of armor with the sword, like he's standing guard, like kind of like the Monty Python, none shall pass. That's you know? fantastic. The yeah, Black Knight. That's the Black Knight. Tis yeah. but, but a flesh wound. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Come back here. What am I, yes. I going to do, bleed on me? You big sissy? <laughs> yeah. Had enough, eh? I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. So one night, um, Weird things happen there, like glasses would break and, and people would feel like someone touching them. 
Uh, and it happened a lot. It was mainly the employees. So one night, it's probably around one o'clock in the morning, and it's just me and the bartender there. I sent all the guys home. I'm cleaning up. And, and my usual thing is I will walk to the restaurant at night and make sure everything's in order and everything is clean and everything's put away and closed and locked. And I do, I do my rounds, I call it. And I go into the bar, and uh, this girl, Kim, is behind the bar, and she's cleaning up. And I said, everyone's out, right? And she goes, yep, everyone's gone. I said, okay, cool. So the front door of the restaurant, you would walk in, and it was a foyer area, probably 10 by 10. And straight ahead was a wall, and to the left was a French glass door, and to the right of you was a French glass door. To the left, you would go into the bar. To the right, you would go into the dining room. So we kept those doors open during service, and at night, I would lock the front door and close the two French doors. So I did that, and then I walked through the other two dining rooms. And as I got to the third dining room, there was a lady sitting at the table looking out the window. And she was older. Um, she had a green sweater on. And I looked, and I'm like, what the heck? No one's supposed to be in here. So I walked through the kitchen, walked back out to the bar, and I said, Kim, I thought you said no one's here. And she goes, there's no one here. And I said, there's a lady in the dining room. And she goes, no, there isn't. I locked the front door a half an hour ago. So I said, all right. So I walked back in the dining room, and she was gone. Right? She was gone. There was nobody there. All right. So that kind of freaked me out. And again, one night, closing up. I'm the only one in the restaurant. I go down. I check the front door. I closed those two French doors, and I had to run up to the office. I had to do something in the office. I'm standing I'm up there. I think I was putting the money in the safe, something like that. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, did I lock the front door? Did I lock the front door? Uh, I better check. So from the third floor, I go all the way down into the dining room, into the bar. And the two French doors that I had closed not more than 10 minutes ago were wide open wide open and and the pegs were set down like someone opened the doors and wanted them open the front door was locked but those french doors were wide open and i'm like all right this is creepy so i go walking back into the bar area and there's a bathroom there and i hear coughing coming out of the bathroom like some guy's like often like he's like jesus i'm like who is in here i thought it was one of the, the line cooks so i walk into the bathroom and it stopped all right and i'm looking around there's nobody literally nobody in the bathroom i went to look in the stalls and looked everywhere nothing i come back out i go walking to the kitchen and i hear it again like someone's coughing like blah, blah, like a hack okay time to go so i take off a few nights later, we're all standing at the bar, me and the, the guys. It was, I think it was a Saturday night or something like that. And we were all talking. End of the night, my guys had a shift drink. They all had a beer, and we're just standing around bar talking. And one of my guys jumps and throws his beer. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, someone just grabbed my neck. I'm like, what? He goes, someone just grabbed the back of my neck. And I'm like, he goes, dude, I can't work here anymore. And he quit. <laughs> he quit. He was just like, I'm done. Oh, man. You know, I'm you're done. not you're not selling the restaurant business. I'm just yeah. telling you. That. I'm just telling you for any of our listeners who are considering a, but especially on the East Coast. I'm just saying. Yeah, right. <laughs> so 
So after uh, I leave this place, I go to this very famous restaurant in Mystic, and it was called the Captain Daniel Packer Inn. And it was built in 1734. So it was older than the United States. Um, the, the, the captain himself, he was, a, uh, he was a privateer. So he was a legal pirate. All right. And he built this right on the water, right on the Mystic River. Uh, he built this house. It was a house back then. And he lived there and he had a niece that lived there. Her name was Ada. Now, Ada had contracted oh, I don't know, scarlet fever, something like that. She was seven years old, and she died. The captain, well, eventually he passed on. Now, this restaurant was owned by a girl whose father, her father rebuilt the place and turned it into a really cool restaurant, and he died of a heart attack, and she took the restaurant over. So I, I come in there, and she says to me, you know this place is haunted. I'm like, um, great, okay. Uh, she goes, no, really. And he's, she's like, the little girl, her name is Ada. You will probably see her. And the captain wanders the hallways every once in a while, and you'll hear him. But that's about it. I said, okay, well, that's cool. So literally, like, a day goes by. And I'm on the third floor dining room, and I was up there with a couple of the servers, and we were getting ready for a, an event that was up in that room. So we had the white tablecloths down and everything, and we walk out of the room. We were bringing stuff to the bar, and we come back in, and all the corners of the tablecloths were picked up and put on the table. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, they they would hang your tablecloth would hang off the table on the corner. Mm -hmm. Well, the corners were all picked up and put on the table. And I walk in. I'm like, what? The heck? And and one of the servers that's been there for like ten years. She goes, that's Ada. I'm like, really? And she goes, yeah, Ada does that a lot. She plays. So, okay. Okay, that's fine. Um, Thanksgiving comes, and uh, we probably had about 400 guests scheduled for that day, and I got there probably around 5 in the morning. I'm down in the basement. Well, the basement was the bar area. Now, now the bar area was the basement of the house, of the captain's house. Now, the captain used to use the basement as kind of like an underground railroad. So since he was a privateer, he would, for what reason, he would have slaves and he would help them escape. I'm sure there was money involved. I'm sure there was something like that because if you're, you know, you're a privateer, you're, you're a legal pirate, right? You can do whatever yep. you want and make money. You yeah, I mean? absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Thanksgiving Day, and you know we had a, a lot of guests coming in, and we had a, a cleaning service come in. They cleaned the restaurant for us because you know it was easier for them to do it than have the staff do it, and it'd be the job would be done. So around seven in the morning, one of the girls came down to me, one of the cleaning girls, and she said, "Chef, can you um, please keep the children off the third, out of the third uh, floor dining room?" Like what? And she goes, the children, keep them out of the dining room. They're, they're touching the windows. There's fingerprints all over our windows. We just cleaned them. I said, listen, it's 7 in the morning. There's no kids here. And she said, well, who's doing that? I go upstairs. Sure as hell, there's fingerprints, all little smudges all over the, the windowsills, the bottom of the window that they had just cleaned. Okay? So I was like, okay, this is creepy. Um, we had guests tell us that um, they would walk into the bathroom and as they closed the door behind them and look into the mirror, there would be a little girl following it in the bathroom. 
Um, many times she liked to play in the bathrooms for some reason. Many times people would leave the bathroom and it was a latch. So you can't, there's no possible way you can lock the bathroom from the outside. It had to be locked from the inside. She would lock the bathrooms and we'd have to break the door in just to, uh, you know, to use the bathroom. She, she literally, the door jams <laughs> splinters because she used to lock the door so much that we just, you know, it was like, should we not put a lock on it? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we would hear her giggle. We, we would have meetings. And after the one, I had just hired a sous chef and she was in one of our meetings with us upstairs on the third floor. Cause the third floor was active. Um, and we got done with the meeting and I said, okay, guys, let's all get back to work. Let's go. Let's get out of here. And from the hallway, we heard bye-bye. And it was a little girl's voice and it was Ada. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Man. I had, I've, I've, I've literally witnessed um, a guy was sitting at a table, a two, a two top table, two people at the table with his date. I don't know if it was his wife or his girlfriend. I don't know. And they were sitting next to another couple at another table. Now, all of a sudden the guy at the first table, he just, just as white as a ghost and he starts to shake. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Is he having a heart attack? What's going on? And he turns to the people at the other table and he looks at the guy and he says, is your name David? And the guy said, yeah, it's David. He goes, he says, I, I don't know how I know that, but there's a little girl whispering in my knee, in my ear. And she keeps telling me to look at you and say hi to you. And your name is David. I witnessed that. <clears throat> the guy, I, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that, yeah. That's freaky right there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I can't, yeah. this is not, this stuff is nuts. I mean, how yeah. could you, how now could you communicate with her at all? I, I've heard her. I've talked to her. She never talked back to me, but I, I definitely heard her. Uh, she would giggle. She would throw things. She liked kids. All right. So when a kid was in the restaurant, she didn't want them to go. But every time the kids would leave, she would like throw something or something would happen and it would get everyone's attention. Uh, one, one day I had two older ladies, uh, call me over and they said, there's someone should take care of that little girl that's in the hallway. She's obstructing the view. She's playing with a ball. Uh, she's obstructing the hallway. She's playing with a ball in the hallway. And we were trying to walk up the stairs and she would not move for us. And I'm like, there's, there's no kids here, but it was Ada. She was playing in the hallway and I guess the ladies disturbed her and they saw her clear as day playing with a ball. And she wouldn't move when they tried to get up the step. Kind of oh, weird. That's very <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So, yeah, because uh, because that's an instant. Uh, that's an instance right there, similar to like what I experienced, where you just think it's a person or a kid. If they don't go right, ask, if they don't go you ask, do. they don't ever know that it's anything different. Right, because they literally thought that that was some unruly little girl in the hallway and their parents, her parents were dining and um, you know, the, the girl was just being rude and wouldn't let them by. Kind of makes you wonder you know? how many times do you think that's happened when we've been out in a crowded place and you've seen somebody and they really weren't even there. <laughs> I know. I think exactly. that all the time. Yeah. Exactly. So wow. I have a, a friend, a chef friend who, uh, 
is into um, he does a lot of producing videos and and shows. He's really kind of like breaking out of the out of the chef the chef business and. He's going more into the production uh, thing of like, you know, producing shows and, and, and tournaments and, and stuff like that. Um, and he, you know, we're, we're pretty good friends. I beat him in the 2014 Top Chef Challenge when I, uh, when I won Connecticut's Top Chef. And we became friends ever since. Uh, his name is Chef Plum. He's got all kinds of podcasts. He does stuff for uh, um, PBS right now, public radio. does a big show on there. So he calls me one day and he's like, dude, can I do a show uh, at the restaurant about the ghosts? And I'm like, sure, why not? He goes, is it cool? I'm like, yeah. So we we set it all up. And um, this is the one that I was uh, nominated, a nomination for. So Go ahead and brag. And Go ahead. Go ahead. Cool. <laughs> he, he, he thought it was kind of cool to bring his three daughters with him. And one of his daughters was seven years old. Oh. And um, his wife, yeah. And uh, his wife came, and I know his wife. She's really, really sweet. His kids are great. And he dressed his little one up in, like, 1700s-era clothing. And every time when we were shooting different scenes, he would have her, like, in the background walk by, do a walk by. You know what I mean? Kind of like a so she, type thing. So, so it's like a reenactment sort of deal? <laughs> yeah. And, and he was having her be the reenactor. Yeah, but not actually saying it. It was just a background thing. You know okay. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it would be like, hey, did I just see Ada? You know, people would, that's what he wanted to happen. He's he's playing so with fire, is what you're, is what yeah, you're he was. setting us up well, for. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he, uh, we get done filming what we had to film, and um, it was cool. I mean, we had a ball because me and him have great chemistry together on camera and everything. And um, so he was outside filming the closing scenes in the parking lot with the cameraman. And his wife was there and the three kids and I had some stuff up in the office. I had to grab. So, you know, there's are three kids and, and we get along. So when I went up into the office, they all followed me, you know, cause they're kids and they come into the office and it was, you know, it's kind of tight. His wife was standing in the doorway. They were asking me questions about Ada. And I'm like, yeah, Ada. I says, I have some, um, some stories about her and I have actual, you know, we have stories about her and uh, written down, back in the 1700s and, and about the, actually about the whole family and about the hauntings and stuff. Um, so they live in Sandy Hook. Now, Sandy Hook had that, um, that horrible massacre at the school uh, yes. where all the kids, kids yes. were killed. Yes. Now, that's, that's where they live. And we, uh, in my office, I had um, bought from a fundraiser for the Sandy Hook children, these three little bells that hung on a kind of like, you know, those Christmas, you know, like a, like a reindeer bell, but there were three little bells on the, on the strap and it said Sandy Hook memory. Um, So we're all talking about, you know, Ada and the ghosts and the captain and his footsteps and his big boots and everything. And I said, okay, I was done getting what I had to get. And I said, okay, girls, we got to go. So, say goodbye to Ada, and then we got to leave. And all the little girls are all like, bye, Ada, bye, Ada, bye. And I said, see, she, she likes that kind of thing. And I turned around, and we went to walk out the door, and those bells on the wall rang three times. And... Okay, you just gave me chills. You just I thought she... The, the mom, I thought she was going to have a heart attack. And the kids just looked at me, and I'm like, that's Ada. So say you said goodbye, and she's saying bye back to you. 
we left the office and I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> Yeah. So, so at what point did you get like used to that stuff happening, yeah, or did you not? I got very used to it. I got really used to it. She would, she would tug on my chef coat a lot. Um, oh. Be, oh yeah. Oh, she would tug on my chef coat. I'd be standing there, not on the line, not not when I was cooking. Um, maybe she was told not to be there. I don't know. But when I was in the dining room a lot, I would talk to guests, and as I was talking to guests, I'd feel. Like she wanted to get my attention and she would tug at the back of my chef coat and you could feel it's just a little hand. It's not like a, 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 a big hand. It was a, it was a little kid's hand tugging at me, just trying to get my attention, you know? <laughs> wow. And, and, yeah. and you know, in a way, in a way that is so like sweet to know that you got yeah. this little kid, you know, but, but it's still well, a little unnerving, but it's still, it's kind of sweet at the same time. It's uh, well, very unnerving. <laughs> right. Well, she had been known to follow people home. Um, Ooh, okay. So we, yeah. We had a server that um, actually, there was something in a restaurant that the owner gave her, and so she took it home with her, and she put it in her closet. I, 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 this was a story that was told to me, so I didn't, didn't know about, I didn't know what it was. And she said she went home that night, and she put it in her closet, and in the middle of the night, the closet door opened, and that thing flew out, like as if to say, bring it back. Okay. Um, so getting back to the filming. So me and Chef Plum get done filming and the bells ring and the girls, you know, say bye. And it's like, okay, time to go. And I go home and they go home and I come home and my wife goes, how'd it go? I say, I went good. I said, yeah, Chef Plum. I said, he he dressed up his little one, uh, kind of like in the 1700s garb. And, you know, she kind of was like in, in and out of scenes and stuff like that. It was kind of cool. And my wife says to me, don't do that. Don't do that. And I'm like, well, it's too late. I said, it wasn't my idea. She goes, that's, that's messing with things. And I'm like, nah, don't worry about it. I said, don't worry about it. Well, the next morning, <laughs> the next morning, uh, my wife walks in the bedroom and she goes, hey, get up. I'm like, what's up? She goes, get up and go look out in the backyard. I go, I get out of bed, I get dressed, I look out into the backyard, and we had one of those, you know, those damn gazebo tents that, you know, probably 12 by 12, mm-hmm. you know, you put a picnic table underneath, you know. Yeah, yeah. We had one, mm-hmm. we, had, we had just bought, and in it was it was summertime, so it was kind of like dewy outside, and you know how it is at 6 a.m., you got the dew on the grass, and yeah. it's, everything is wet, and well, this tent, with this gazebo was on its side. Now, it had just happened because the the water was still running down the sides of the gazebo. You know what I mean? The dew was still running down. It was fresh. Right, and there yeah. were no footprints, no footprints around that gazebo. And then I looked to my wood pile, and my entire wood pile was literally shoved out into the yard. And the fence that goes along the side of my driveway was knocked down and everything was pointing in the same direction. You know what I mean? The, 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 the gazebo was pointing to the, well, I live on the ocean. So it was pointing to the water. The, the wood was knocked through the yard and pointing in the direction of the water. And the fence, this huge 16 foot fence was knocked down and pointing towards the water. So my wife goes, see, don't, Screw with ghosts. You, you screw around. You think you're having a good time, but look at, look what happened. 
So I'm like, no, maybe not. And I'm looking around at the gazebo and there's no footsteps. So I kind of freak out and I, I call the cops. <laughs> and my wife's like, are you serious? I'm like, you're calling the cops? I'm like, yeah, I'm calling the cops. But it's, you know, vandalism. So the cop comes. And he looks and he's like, does someone hate you? And I'm like, no, dude, I, no. He goes, just, he says, did, he says, just no, dude, there was no wind last night. That, that gazebo, there's no footsteps. I said, I know, there's nothing around it. There's, it's just, it's on its side. And he goes, the wood, I said, maybe coyotes did the wood. He goes, no, coyotes don't push wood all over the yard. <laughs> it, that, that, those are logs. And he's like, he's like, and I said, what about my fence? He goes, he says, coyotes don't do that either. And I'm like, well, okay. So now I tell him the story about the ghost. And he's looking at me like, I'm like, what? <laughs> you think a ghost did this? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, he says, listen, he says, I've been to a lot of calls, but I've never been to a call where someone thought a ghost destroyed their backyard. I'm like, ah, nope. do you think? And he's like, listen, just keep that under your hat. <laughs> and my wife, my wife's like, you're an idiot. Why do you, why do you tell the cop that? He's going to take, he's going to cuff you and take you to the loony bin. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was, you know, that was, that was kind of definitely kind of creepy. Um, and I never knew who did that. And I told the owner of the restaurant what happened. And she's like, yeah, that was Ada. She, she was a little bit pissed at you because what you did, you kind of like made fun of her with that little kid. And I'm like, ah. Oh. Yeah. Why did she go do it to, to Chef Plum? Why did she go tear yeah, up his backyard? Yeah. You know? Well, he's just the innocent yeah. bystander. She I, mean, I, I called him up and I told him the story and he freaked out. <laughs> she's <laughs> coming. Right you should have said, hey, she's Ada's coming for you next, buddy. So, so she's coming for you. She's coming for you. Yeah, so a few, a few, about a month or so goes by and he calls me up and he's like, dude, you got a tuxedo? I'm like, what? For what? He goes, we got nominated for an Emmy for that show. I'm like, are you kidding me? He goes, yeah. Uh, we never won, but, you know, it was uh, it was kind of cool. You get nominated. Oh, yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> oh, I know. Listen, you got to be a now, you got to be introduced on this show as an Emmy-nominated uh, yeah, I guess, that's actor, cool. I guess we could say. You know, hey, mm-hmm. Emmy-nominated yeah, producer. They, people <laughs> call me all kinds of things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And and the and you know I having lived out on the East Coast for a little bit in Massachusetts, it it does not surprise me at all. I mean, I, if people have never been out there, I don't think they understand how old right. places right. are and how old property like it. because that's that is literally the place where America started. That's right. And that's where it started, the, and, and there's yes. so many creepy. I mean, there's, I mean, houses, there's houses out here that are as old, like, it, like the Daniel Packer Inn, as old as the country or older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, and there's a lot of stories. There's a, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of history here and there's a lot of um, spirits. There's, there's quite a few spirits out here. I mean, everywhere, uh-huh. any town you go in, in Connecticut, there's a story, you know? Oh yeah. There's yeah. I mean, it is, so, I mean, it is so, um, and it is so amazing how many of the houses and buildings and stuff still stand from that time yeah. and, oh, yeah. and have not been changed. And mm-hmm. it's and when you it really, them, that's when things happen. Oh, Hey, you don't got to tell me twice. I mean, look, yeah. at, look, 
<laughs> oh, so, so um, golly, and working in a restaurant late at night is spooky in and of itself, especially oh, absolutely. You, when you consider like how busy like those restaurants are on Friday, Saturday nights. And then within an hour, the place is like, for no pun intended, a ghost town. You know, there's two people, two people in there cleaning up, trying to get out. And oh gosh, yes. And think that's a lot of things like that happen uh, during, during you know closing. I had a I had a bartender once, and I I, my God, I thought she was going to die. Um, Again, at that at that German restaurant. She, uh, she was, we were closing up and, um, you know, we had heard footsteps and we had felt like a breeze and, you know, things were just really active that night. Um, a cup fell over like the, the cup where they have the, the bar swirlers for your drink, you know, the little stirs, mm-hmm. um, yeah. sitting at the edge of the bar, me and her are talking, that thing just fell over and the stirs were all over the floor, the glass broke. And it's like, no one was near it. All right. So. Um, we're closing up. I want to get out of there. She wants to get out of there. And she grabs, I don't know, eight wine glasses by the stem. You know, she put them, she put each stem in her fingers, you know, between her fingers, like to, and holding it upside down. You know what I mean? You yeah. take a, a wine glass yeah. and you put it in your the stem through your fingers, the bottom of it. And she's yep. holding the glasses upside down. She was bringing them from the dishwasher. She was going to stack them on the, on the bar. Mm-hmm. Right. So she had two hands full of wine glasses be- between her fingers. Right. Um, as she was walking, something pushed her. She fell face first, smashed the glasses through the palm of her hands. Oh. They all shattered through her fingers, through her hands, um, through her wrist. She was sliced like, like up to ribbons. It was, it was, I thought she was going to bleed to death. All right. I was, I was absolutely frightened. Um, call nine one one. Ambulance comes. All that other stuff. But yeah, someone someone had pushed her and knocked her down while she was uh, holding the glasses. It was, it was really creepy. Yeah, I feel bad for her. <laughs> wow, that see yeah. now that it's all fun and games, you know. Until, until someone, some, yeah, right. Yeah, until something like that happens. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, even like like you said, in New England, no one really knows. If, if you're in the other part, other parts of the country, and you've never been to New England, you don't know a lot about it. Like when I when I lived out in Roswell, I had I had this <laughs> this Native American guy, and we were talking. He goes, "Are hey, you from Connecticut?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." He says, "You know." So we're talking this back and forth, and I said, "Yeah, well, I used to work at the casino or the, the Indian casino." And he looks at me and he goes, "What?" He goes, "You got Indians in Connecticut?" Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And they got a casino. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And they got a casino. (laughs) So, so you, so you mentioned Roswell. So now here's the 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 second part of the. And and let's hope, let's hope as you get into the Roswell story, um, that we. You know, nothing happens to the phone. Knock oh, on yeah, wood. I know, I know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we, yeah. We may, we may. Yeah. No. The Ro- uh, Roswell was um, definitely bittersweet. Uh, so, like I like I said, I was I was intrigued with Roswell since I was a kid. Um, I would I you know I like I said I, I used to buy the uh, 
the, the, the National Sun and the Inquirer every week. I think it was 35 cents at the time or maybe 25 cents. But I was a kid, you know, and I didn't have money. So I used to, I used to do all kinds of crazy shit to, to raise money. One, night, one, one day I went into my, to my mom's, into the basement, and uh, she had a bunch of dishes and stuff, you know, that she had put away, packed away. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about how am I going to raise money so I can get these newspapers? So I, I had set them up in the backyard, and I invited all the neighborhood kids to throw dimes. And if the dime landed in the, the, the bowl or the glass, they could take it home. But that was just a way that I could make money so I can buy newspapers. All right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so my goodness. I, I took all my mom's freaking dishware, and I kind of like, you know— sold them to the kids for dimes in the neighborhood when they, when they, when it lit, when their dime landed on the plate. And you became a, a carny. You became a carny. And, yeah, I was, dude. <laughs> I, was, I was that kid. <laughs> and, and we had a picnic and the neighbors came over and they brought my mom's you know, dishes over. <laughs> and my mom was like, that's my dish. <laughs> no one. I, 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 I landed a quarter in that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I bought the National Enquirer with that one. Man. Come on. <laughs> so, so anyhow, we uh, I I I got you know said to my wife, let's let's get out of Connecticut. Let's go move. Let's go move to Roswell. She had a nephew that uh, we kind of raised when he was younger, and he lived down there with his wife and kids and and his sister. And I, and I said, let's get the hell out of here. Let's go check out the desert. Let's go to Roswell. And she's like, all right, let's do it. So we did. We moved down to Roswell, <clears throat> and um, it was cool. You know, it was in the middle of the desert. The closest town was like 70 miles away. It was a, it's a small town, probably like 20,000 people, but it was a big town. It was it was literally, it stretched for miles in all directions. Um, everything was one story, though. <laughs> so we, we moved down there, and uh, I went to a restaurant for dinner, and uh, I went in for dinner and came out the executive chef, which was Okay. All right. All right. Party on. Yeah. The guy that owned the restaurant, he was from New York. Now we're sitting there eating and a dude comes up and he's talking to us and stuff. And he looks at me and he goes, you're not from around here. I said, no. He goes, where are you from? Like Jersey? I said, no, I'm from Connecticut. He goes, oh, really? I'm from New York. I'm like, yeah. So we, we hit it off. He gave me the job as the executive chef, which was cool because I didn't have a job yet. And I took it. So the restaurant was on Main Street. It was an Italian, high-end Italian restaurant, which was really cool. And he asked me where I was living, and I told him I was up on uh, North Texas Avenue, which is okay. The neighborhood is all right. And he goes, listen, along with the job comes the house out back. Now, out back was probably 200 yards away on another street, but like really close to the restaurant. So I could literally walk to work if I needed to. Um, and he says, listen, you want the house? It comes with the job. I'm like, you know what? It had two bedrooms in it. It had two living rooms in it. It was, had, you know, a few acres of land fenced in, which was like really kind of cool. I said, you know what? I'll take it. So we move into the house and, uh, you know, I get out of a restaurant, be probably like midnight, one o'clock. And, you know, the first thing I do is I go in the house, grab a beer, take the dog out. So the dog be out running around chasing prairie dogs. You know, the prairie drugs drove him crazy, man. They'd pop their head up, and he'd go after them, and they'd jump back in a hole, and they'd pop up on the other side of the driveway. Yeah. And that kept them busy for, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it kept them busy, you know. <laughs> so, anyhow, 
I'm out there in the yard and it's like, you know, one o'clock, I guess in the morning. And I look up at, at the, the street light and above the street light, I see this, this like fluttering, fluttering round. Like, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, um, I did the album, um, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, lucky man on the cover is a dove and it's got this flutter like waves around it. And that's exactly what it reminded me of. Um, so I'm looking at this thing, like kind of shimmering. I'm like, what the hell? Does it look like an owl or what is that? And, and I'm looking at it. And then I realized it wasn't on top of the light pole. It was literally in the sky. And the angle that I was looking at it looked like it was on top of the pole. But then this thing started moving. All right. And, you know, we lived pretty much the center of town, um, center of Roswell. And this thing moves very slowly, like to the left, probably about a half a mile. I'm like, that thing's in the air. And it, it kept pulsating, pulsating, fluttering. I, I, I can't explain it. Um, but it had a glow to it. And then it stopped. And then it would go south. And then it stopped. And it would go to the left again. And I'm watching literally 15, 15 minutes. I'm watching this thing. And it's in the air. And it's not a plane and it's not making any noise. Right. So I'm, I'm like, Oh, I call my wife out there and she looks up and she's watching it with me and she goes, okay, you saw one. And I'm like, yeah, she goes, don't make a stink about it because I know you and you're weird. (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, this is, and and now it started going South towards the South. Now towards the South was the, um, was the airport and the military base was down there. It's probably about good six miles away. So it's going there and I'm like, I'm, I'm calling this in. I'm calling, I'm calling this in because I, I don't know what it is. So I call the airport. Right. And mm-hmm. just like, just like this phone was doing this call. I'm sorry. We're not taking calls. I'm like, what do you mean? You're not taking calls. You're the airport. Right. So, <laughs> okay. So I want to report this to somebody. So the New Mexican military Institute was literally like three or four blocks north of me. And um, that's where, when your father told you he's going to send you to military school because you were a little jerk, well, that's where they went, to NIMI. All right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so I figured I'm going to call them. And I, I give them a call. And they say, uh, I'm sorry, we're not taking calls right now. Well, that's crazy. Who does? I'm calling the police department. Now, I didn't dial 911, all right, because I figured, you know, that's that's for an emergency. This wasn't an emergency. It's a, a weird UFO or something. So I called the regular number, and it was like the same thing. I'm sorry, we're not taking. Now, what police station is not taking calls? I'm sorry. So this is now. I'm fired up. I'm like, this is nuts. This is crazy. Now I get on my landline and I do the same thing, and it wouldn't let me call. It would not, would not let me call. All right. So I'm freaking the hell out. My wife's like, calm down, just take it easy, stop freaking out, it's no big deal, leave it alone. Well, no, that's not me. Um, so the next day, I'm outside in my front yard, and probably about, I don't know, 500 yards down was a guy that lived across the street who was a preacher. Um, so, you know, I mean, I kind of take his word, you know, he's not going to lie to me. So I tell him, I says, hey, last night, and he looked at me, that's all I had to say to him, last night, and he goes, don't, don't even go there. Like what? He goes, no. He says, you're not, he says, you're not from around here. He says, he says, don't just don't. 
And I'm like, but, but I saw, I, I, and he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, but I tried to call. He goes, yeah, don't, don't make a stink. Please don't make a stink. It's for your own good. And I'm like, come on, man. So now I'm in town, right? And <laughs> I had, yeah. I'm in town and I had bought a hot dog cart because they have like these, all these crazy festivals downtown. And I figured I'm making some extra cash and selling hot dogs. So I knew a lot of people mm-hmm. and, and uh, I'm talking to people downtown and I'm talking to the guy that owns the UFO museum. And I'm talking to the guy that owns the UFO uh, souvenir shop. And I'm talking to the guy that owns the cafe over there. And they're all saying like, yeah, so just don't worry about it. And I'm like, what? But I couldn't call. Yeah. Well, don't worry about it. I couldn't call. Right. So I'm like, screw this. All right, I'm going to call MUFON. All right, I'm going to get a hold of MUFON. So I did online. And I sent this dude. Um, they, they had a link there that I clicked on, and I sent this little story. And this guy gets back to me by email, and he sends me a, um, a form to fill out about what happened, an, an incident form about what happened. And he says, here, fill this out. When you're done, give me a call in a couple of days. I'd like to talk with you. I'm like, okay, cool. So I fill this whole thing out, you know, paragraphs and all that other stuff. And, and, I, and I send it out to him. And that night, again, I go come home from work and I'm out in the backyard with my dog. And I'm standing out there. And it's probably about one in the morning. And this light hits me like this light from the sky. I look up and it was it was a helicopter, I think. But it made no noise. And it had no wind, no, no wash from the, from the from wings, from the rotators. Mm-hmm. But this thing was 300 yards in the air, and it had a, it had a spotlight or something on me. It, it looked like an Apache. I don't know, but there was no noise. There was no wind. A helicopter at 300 yards off the ground is going to be blowing your hair off. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. This thing, nothing. Yeah. And, it just, and, it, and it just stayed there. And I kind of freaked out. And it was it was a helicopter. It was I'm not saying it was a UFO. There was no markings on it. It was it was black. There were no lights. There was no. It was just there, right? So I, I go in the house. And I'm like, what the hell? All right, whatever. All right, take it easy. Take it easy. Just stay in the house. Don't be going out there. So finally, a um, couple of days go by again, and uh, I try to call the guy over at uh, Mufon. And I get this message saying, this call can't be made from this phone. What the heck? So I try it again. This call can't be made from this phone. Yeah, there you go. So I grabbed my, my, my landline and I tried to call them. And the same message. I'm sorry, this call cannot be made from this phone. What the hell? So now I email the guy I'm like, dude, did you give me the right number? I said, they said, I can't call you. And he goes, what are you talking about? People call me all the time. And I'm like, I, I, I can't call you. So he sends me the n- number again. He sent me another, a second number, which might've been his cell phone. I don't know. I tried both of them and it, I got the same message. I'm sorry. You can't make this call from this phone. Well, all right. So the next day, now I'm kind of pissed off. And the next day, you know, I was at my nephew's house. My wife stayed home. We had a pool in our backyard, probably three feet deep, you know, like a, a small 12-foot round pool it, above ground. It was a pool just to keep keep cool. You know what I mean? You're in the desert. You, you want to keep cool. Mm-hmm. My wife was in the pool, all right? And she had her arms on the, on the side rest. I was not home. 
Uh, I had just got off the phone with her. I said, I'm heading home. I'll be there in about, you know, eight minutes or whatever. And she's, I get home and she's in the living room and she's got this welt on her face and her eye, someone. So I'm like, what happened? And she's like, I'm in the pool. And this guy, she goes, I didn't even see him, punches me in the face. I'm like, what? She says, this, this guy punched me and I, I didn't see him approach. She said, and when I got to my senses, I saw him walking up the road in a, he had a suit on. And I'm like, what? So I said, all right, let's call, let's, let's call the cops. So we call the cops and, and I grab a beer and I'm like, I'm upset. She's, she's, she's got an egg on her freaking eye. Like you wouldn't believe. And the guy, and we call and I'm sitting on the front porch and this, this white Ford, um, uh, expedit with Ford Explorer, huge, brand new, bulky, kind of weird pulls in my driveway. And I'm like, what the hell? That's not a car. Who is this? And this dude walks out of the passenger side and he's got a suit on. And I'm like, is this an insurance salesman? Who the fuck is this? All right. So this guy comes up to me and he goes, did you call a report about a domestic? I said, no. I said, someone punched my wife while she was in the pool. And he's like, listen, um, were you guys drinking? And uh, did you get into a domestic? And I'm like, no. I said, look at my wife. Someone punched her in the face. And she's like, the guy had a suit on, kind of like yours. And, and the guy says to me, well, what, some banker comes up to your wife and punches her in the face? She, he goes, are you guys drunk? I'm like, there's no one's. Well, he says, you got a beer in your hand. I said, I'm not. No, I just opened the beer. I, he goes, you, you sure you're not uh, drunk? Both of you drunk and you're in, you're in a domestic? And I'm like, dude, I didn't punch my wife. And she's going, this guy punched me. I was in the pool. So this guy turned this whole story around like I did this and we were, there was no way I was drunk or or anything like that happened. All right. So he says to me, why don't you both get in the house and stop causing trouble and stay in there? And I'm like, what? So he gets back in this, this truck, this SUV. And my wife looks as they're pulling out. She says, the guy driving the truck is the guy that hit me. What? And I'm like, I, what? And she goes, she goes, I swear to God. She goes, the guy that's driving the truck, he looks like the guy that hit me. So oh I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? And she's like, no. And I'm like, but I thought they were cops. But they never showed me a badge. They never showed me anything. All right. So. I'm like, okay, this is, this is, this is nuts. This is crazy. Um, oh, about a couple of weeks go by and, um, I come home one day and I come in and I walk in the door and my wife is frantic and she's like, get out of the house, get out of the house. My husband's coming home. He'll kill you. He's crazy. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So she's like flipping out. So I, I go outside. I'm like, what the heck? She's screaming, get out of the house, get out of the house. My husband's coming home. I'm like, I'm her husband, as far as I know. So I give it a couple of minutes. I walk back in the house and she's, she's like, kind of like weird. And I said, are you all right? And she goes, no. She said, I, 
she goes, I thought I heard you come home. And the next thing I knew I was on the kitchen floor and I could have swore there was someone in the house. So I'm like, are you all right? She's, she wasn't all right. She obviously was not all right. Um, so she goes, there was someone, she goes, I thought it was you. I thought it was you. That's what she kept saying. I thought it was you. I thought it was you. And I'm like, all right, there's an issue here. Well, 10 days after that happened, um, my wife died right next to me of a brain aneurysm on the couch. And that's when I decided I got to go. I got to leave. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Now I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it was who that could have been because I don't want to say that. Um, but yeah, that's a, that, and her de- when, and, and so, so she died. Okay. This is, this is, this is the, the catcher when she had passed, <clears throat> you know, I call an ambulance and everything and the ambulance comes and the cops come and the, the, the coroner or, or the, the funeral parlor, I guess, came and they're all in my house and they're interviewing me and, they're, and, they're, and, you know, it's like craziness and my wife is dead and there's a million people in my house and they're asking me a million questions. Like I did something and I didn't. So they, they put her on a stretcher and they take her out of the house. And as they were, they were all leaving now and they kind of like leaving me alone. And, um, I go to the front door and I'm watching them. And instead of putting her in the ambulance, there was that white Ford Explorer. They put her in the back of that. They closed the door and took off. Now, I get a call from the funeral parlor, which they said they were going to bring her to. And the, the gentleman was very nice to me, and he kept on stressing, yeah, so, uh, you know, we'll just cremate her and everything. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I says, we got, I, I said, I'm going to take her back to Connecticut, you know, to where my family is. And he's like, well, yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll have a showing and, and, and this. I'm like, well, you know, so I'm, my head's spinning. And, you, you know, you, you don't really know. I was married to her for 29 years. And, and you don't really, you know, you, that's like a, you know, hitting the face with a shovel type thing. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, and. And so now, this was on October 23rd. Now, a few days go by, and I'm like, um, what's going on with my wife? And they're like, well, we haven't pronounced her dead yet. The coroner has to do that, the state coroner. And I'm like, what? Well, the state coroner's busy, and they can't get to her. I mean, you can't get to her. Oh. She died two days ago. Right? So... Now it's her birthday was October 30th. Now it's October 28th and I'm calling them and they're like, so yeah, we, we cremated her. And I'm like, what? Well, we didn't sign the death. They didn't get the death certificate signed yet, but they're coming. And finally on the 29th, the day before her birthday, they called me and said, you can come pick her up, her remains. And, you know, it, it was like, I didn't, I don't remember giving them permission to cremate her. Why did it take so long for them to even pronounce her dead and the death certificate? And why did she not go in an ambulance and go in a Ford Explorer? The same one that pulled up to my house, I'm almost positive, that had the two guys in it. And the guy that punched her in the face was driving. Who, what the hell was that? Right? And that, 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 yep. 
that really happened and I left and I'm back here in Connecticut. Mm. Yeah. Holy moly. 2000, 2009. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, wow. I mean, that's like right? more questions than you can even. Yeah. 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 You couldn't even, who would you ask, you know, to even get any answers to that? Oh, who can you ask? Nope. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Very this, crazy, is, yeah. this is, this is, yeah, true story. Oh, Freaking true story. I, you know, yeah. Yeah. So that's that. <laughs> well, that makes the ghost stories sound a lot more fun. I got to be right? honest with exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, ter- I mean, I mean, I mean, it's just terrible to have I hear to, you. I- to have to deal yeah. with the loss of a loved one like that and under those circumstances and then not to have any answers. I mean, no answers, no and answers, to think, no answers whatsoever. And I mean, it's, and to have it all connected to you seeing something, right? you know, and trying, seeming- trying to report it. Oh, and Oh, I didn't even get to the, to, to the other stuff. So the move on stuff, I went on my computer. Mm-hmm. All right. Because I wanted to get back to this guy. Everything, all our correspondence was wiped off my computer, off my laptop. Everything, everything was gone off my laptop. The emails, the correspondence back and forth, gone, gone off the laptop. Yeah. Jeez. Yep. Everything. So, so did you then just kind of take the hint and say, okay, I'm done. There's no point. Yep. Yep. Came back to Connecticut. Literally. <laughs> I can't blame you. You definitely yeah. author, authorities yeah. were involved in everything, and there was just nobody that you could you could talk to about it. It was how, how did that right. the same and thing? It, it was just crazy. I mean, how it happened? It was just like something you don't you don't think this stuff's going to happen in real life. I mean, I, I who'd expect that? Who I don't? I you know? Well, uh, you know, I never I mean, would have thought not, that in hundred years. I'm not blaming I'm not blaming her death on on anybody, but it's kind of weird how it happened. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. And and why did they insist on me cremating her immediately? And why did it take almost a week for the coroner to pronounce her dead? I don't know. You know, right. I don't know. Wow, I don't even know where to. And and so for the it's and so you the the really crazy thing is is okay so we had all these all this trouble at the beginning of this with the phone with your phone okay right Which, i was thinking the same thing just now <laughs> okay and but here's the crazy here's the crazy thing that we didn't touch on is a couple of days ago after you and i talked and you sent me your phone number right. and i went to text you the first time and it came yep. back and said it's undeliverable to this number. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, right. I thought, did I, did you call me? Cause you know, I, you called me and you, uh, you were at work. So I thought, well, maybe right. you called me from a landline and I sent you a message on Instagram and you said, no, that's my cell phone. And I yep. still have it right here on my phone where it says yeah. undeliverable. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And, and, and what, did, what did I say? It's that Roswell stuff happening again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh-huh. Just uh-huh. like uh, when uh, a couple times when we got disconnected uh, about three times in a row, I was trying to reconnect with you, and it said uh, 
what I forget what did it say, Shane? I sent Same. you a screenshot. Un- yeah, it says yeah. Un- unable to connect. Yeah, unable to connect. Unable to connect. Like, Come on. <laughs> yep. 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 That's that's yeah. Yeah, we've never experienced that before. No, never. No. And if some yeah, dude shows up on my I, mail route tomorrow in a white SUV in a black suit, I'm dude, not gonna be I'm happy. Telling you. And I'm I never even gonna... thought about. I didn't. Never even made that connection until afterwards when I'm saying, "Did is that what that was? Is that who? The, I don't know. Is that what? Is that, that a man? Of, is know. that a man of black? Well, you know. Yeah. Sub- yeah. Oh wow. Is that what? That wow. Was? I don't know. Yep. Well, I I can say this: whoever stuck around the second time through the disconnected phone calls and made it all the way through to the end of this has got to be pulled over at the side of the road. If they're listening in their car going, what did I, what just happened? That's all I can say. I I already know. That's like the most fascinating story I have ever heard. That is. I I mean, you couldn't make, you can't make anything like that up. Let me, let me tell you guys, this is the first time I've told the entire story. Um, even my three kids don't know the entire story oh, and my, wow. my, my wife, my wife right now does not know all that, um, stuff with the SUV and stuff. I never, I've never talked about it. I never wanted to talk about it, but I, you know, that's 11 years out now and, and I'm not there. Um, right. but yeah, that was, and, and my, my three kids never knew about that, you know? So, yeah. Wow. Well, um, I, I appreciate. For, yeah, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Share, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that with us. I mean, that's, that's exactly what I was gonna say. You, yeah, go ahead. That's a crazy. Oh, that's just crazy. I'm in all crazy stuff. Yeah. Yep. Pretty crazy wild. stuff. But, yes. Yep. All righty then, guys. <laughs> thank you well, so much well, for having me. Yeah. Hey. Thank you, Mark, for thank coming you. on and sharing that with us. You have been an outstanding. <laughs> guest and uh love to have you back on again really i don't know if i can i don't know if i can handle anymore jason what are you trying to do he doesn't it's i don't there's nothing here at the top i mean he's just a very interesting guy and uh, we're gonna gonna have back on for gone through oh my god come back on and talk some recipes or something i mean come on whatever he would want to talk about (laughs) so mark so mark if there's any of our any of our east coast listeners in the area, do you you want to tell them where you're at now? If they you want to stop by and say hello and yeah, have sure. a dinner? Yeah, uh, sure. I'm I'm uh, at Doc's uh, Surf Shack in uh, on the corner of Crown and Temple in New Haven. It's uh, the first of a national chain, um, and they asked me to take over the reins and run the restaurants for them. I'll be flying out to D.C. soon to open one there, and then Baltimore, and then um, Virginia Beach, Atlanta, and Vegas. But this is my home base here in Connecticut, so I'm kind of like their corporate uh, chef that's going to take over and run all the, the, the restaurants for them. Nice. Um, yep, right downtown. And if you want to see that video that uh, Captain Daniel Packer in, it's on uh, Restaurant Road Trip. Uh, just type that in on YouTube and pull up uh, Captain Daniel Packer in. You can watch the whole episode. It's really cool. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, well, now yeah. especially since we know what happened afterwards, that your yard got terrorized. Yeah, yeah the that's yard got trashed. 
And I tried to blame coyotes. I'm like, yeah, coyote did that. And they're like, no, coyote didn't do that. Well, you know, that didn't do that. That's for sure. Listen, Jason, that's a city. It's a city guy trying to blame coyotes. I mean, <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> Out here in Ohio, oh, we're at, they grew them coyotes. The coyotes are, the coyotes at the beach here. We have coyotes. <laughs> coyotes at the beach. Oh, come on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh my huh. God. Yeah. They, they walk through my carport and while I'm in the car, they'll walk right by my car and look at me. It's like, who's I was going to say, aren't those, like, oh. aren't those cougars just like 50 year old women coming to check you out? As a beach <laughs> week? Not There's more than enough of them out there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't oh. figure out which ones are more dangerous, the coyotes or the cougars. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I wrote a song. Hey, I wrote a song about crazy cougars and, Somewhere on my, I think you can go to shanegrove.com and find that if you really cool. want to listen. I'll check it so, out. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, hey, thanks, Mark. We appreciate. And no if you're problem. in, if you if you could stop it and say hey to Mark, I I think you ought to shake oh, his yeah. hand for what he's been through, man. Oh yeah, I think sure. Hit me, up, hit me up on Facebook or Instagram. I'm I'm always willing to talk. <laughs> okay, sweet. And we'll make sure. And we'll make sure I have the correct spelling. So that, so that people can actually yeah. talk. Yes, exactly. Hey, you tell Guy Fieri if he's got any good ghost stories, uh, we're all ears. We're, we're more than oh, welcome. Oh, I'm sure here. he does. I'm we're sure more... he does. I don't, think the shorty, I don't think the short guy does, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not even asking. I'm not even asking. Yeah, I'm just asking because Guy Fieri is a fellow Buckeye. So that's yeah, all. Yeah, he is. You know, and, he, and he's so. cool as hell. I got pictures of me and him drinking in San Francisco on Halloween. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. Hey, that, that right there is our topic for the next episode. You come on right there. Oh, God. There you go. <laughs> All right, Mark. Well, hey, you Thank have a you, good Mark. night. And we can't. Awesome, we, guys. And, and, and as, soon as, as soon as Jason can figure out how to fix the first part, We'll get this out and, and I will let you know, man, because this this will be fun. This yeah. will be fun. So, awesome. Yes, will. So, guys, yeah. thank you so much for having me on your show. You guys do a great job. Like I said, man, you uh, you were you like popped out of all the other podcasts that I listened to and you were like, That's it, this is the one. This is the one. Well, you guys well, we do a great much. job. We appreciate keep doing, that. Keep doing what you're doing. Believe me. We, we appreciate you're that. Really good. Thank you. We yeah. appreciate yeah, that. You guys right. you, you remind me of George Nori. You know, coast oh, to coast that's one of my that's one of my heroes right there. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> oh man. George Norrie's got nothing on us though when it comes to crazy. There you go. Cool. <laughs> so, so, all, right. all right. Well, thanks a lot, right, Mark. Guys. We'll 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 catch yeah, up man. with you, man. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Cool. Thanks. Yep. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows Podcast. Until next time. Never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.